0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: pre-record we'll on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two.
0: Roll A. Fade up on A. Miss to, to the top, you're tuned in to the
2: Eagle Hour. And welcome to the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel this afternoon. Bob, Kelly, and Luke all with you for the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue, our good friends, and we sure appreciate that. Enjoyed ourselves immensely at Fuzzy's Tacos this past Friday. and I want to thank Justin Harris for having us there and remind you that his other restaurant, Dickie's, is a great place to take your family seven days a week and a great place to cater your next event. All right, we want to get right to it. It's Monday. We always visit with our good friend, head baseball coach Scott Barry. We're going to go over the games with Coach and then get the guys here involved. And, Coach, uh, thanks, as always, for being on the show. Three in one week. Uh, we should be happy any week we go three in one, right?
3: Yes, we are. I mean, uh, but not satisfied, obviously, especially uh when you had yourself in a position yesterday to, to sweep a very good team. Right. Um, you know, after two really, really hard fought games on Friday and Saturday and you know, it's hard to win baseball games, Bob, as as you know. And uh, you know, to to do that and put ourselves in that position and then yesterday just miss on that on that opportunity as a little Little disappointing, in all honesty, but right. uh, you know, it's like I told the team. If you'd have told me at the beginning, if hey, would you be happy with two out of three? Uh, if we could give it to you, would you take it? I would say absolutely. Oh but, sure. Uh, you know, but you know, it's it's still frustrating, right, to lose that third one.
2: Let's go back uh, and get started at the at the first of the week Wednesday night. Alabama, you win that game three to two. Your pitching staff holds Alabama to one run. Over the last eight innings, after giving up a, a first inning home run, huge crowd, dramatic game, lots of drama. It's just about as good as college baseball gets, I thought, Coach.
3: Well, you know, outstanding crowd. You know, uh, it was announced the fourth largest in, in the history of, of our program, and and rightfully so. Uh, you know, our guy, our, our people have turned out even yesterday morning for a ten thirty start right. on a Sunday. You know, I thought was a tremendous. Attendance uh, by our by our folks, but you know Alabama. It was kind of funny because before the game, Bohannon, their head coach, asked me. He said, "Do you think we'll have a very good crowd tonight?" And I said, ah, you know, I think we, I think we probably will." I said, "We're on spring break." I said, and, uh, "And we've moved the game till Wednesday, so it's church night. So I really don't, you know, I really don't know. And certainly, I didn't uh, expect that we would have the numbers that turned out that we did, but." Certainly, it it, hurt, it helped us in in the outcome of that game because, you know, what what we always talk about is home field advantage. Certainly, we had it that night.
2: No question. Will McGillis knocks in both runs uh, for your ball team. You have six pitchers that go the uh, last eight innings of the game that give up only one run. I know you are happy with your bullpen.
3: Well, really were, you know, I mean, they came in and I don't know how many, uh, honestly don't know how many, uh, runners that they, that they may have inherited, but we, uh, let me look in here. Actually, none of them inherited runners. So we did a great job with the ones in front of them, keeping people off, but, uh, you know, they, they, they came in with the intent of hanging zeros and that's exactly what they did. Alabama did scratch for one there in the eighth, but, you know, after the leadoff home run, it was great to see Danny get his first extra base hit that night, a home run on, on two-strike approach to tie that game. But nothing was more bigger than in the fourth when Will McGillis got the two-out, two-RBI double yeah. to put us up, and a uh, three-to-one.
2: No question. Let's get to Friday night. Uh, another great crowd and a dramatic ending, obviously, with uh, Lynch hitting the walk-off. A uh, two run dinger in the bottom of the ninth, I not get much more dramatic than that. But I want to get to Tanner Hall, and it was his first Friday night appearance. Appearance, a, a lot of a lot of excitement over that. He goes five and a third inning, six hits, uh, ten strikeouts. Did give up uh, some runs. Your impression of of his Friday night debut?
3: Well, you know, he drew a tough tough lineup to throw against, heavy left handed hitters. Uh, I don't think that his his change was working as good as it had in his prior two, uh, appearances or starts. And against a good club like Ford Atlantic, they took advantage of some pitches that were left up. Obviously, given two runs up in the, uh, in the first inning wasn't what we expected or, uh, you know, or anticipated in all honesty. I think everybody was kind of in shock and then falling behind three to nothing, you know, we're, Kind of like, holy cow, this isn't what we, we had, uh-huh. had been working for. But, you know, hats off to our guys that answered with five there in the bottom of the third. And, and then from that point, you know, I think you look at what Tanner did, being able to cover, you know, uh, shut out innings in the fourth and the fifth and really hold that. That offense down was, was really, really clutch on his part. Not one of his better outings, obviously. He's not perfect. Uh, we we know that. And we saw that. But what what I do know is, is that the young man, it was his birthday, and he went out and competed, and he gave his team a chance to certainly win.
2: No question. I'm glad you guys came back. My daughter came over from Birmingham uh, to watch the games and all the people up in our group really staring at her when we were down 3 to nothing. They were threatening to make her leave. Uh, but uh, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, the guys came back. Saturday, another great game, 6-4, to four, Hunter Riggins goes five and two-thirds inning, nine strikeouts, and uh, gives up just six hits. Your your bullpen, again, uh, pitched very well. You struck out, you got 14 Ks in, in that game, and here's what impressed me. Your relievers inherited six runners in scoring positions and only gave up one run, and I want to emphasize that, of course, I'm just a fan. I'm not an expert. I think against a very good hitting baseball team.
3: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, statistically, when you look at their stats, what they brought in to the series, I mean, they were hitting over 300 just like Dallas Baptist with more left-hand hitters than Dallas Baptist. Through us. I mean, they any time, they had six in the lineup. Uh, but, you know, what? what our guys were able to do on Saturday, that was a great game played by our, our team. I mean, in all areas. I mean, we fielded well we uh, outside of one one error there we fielded well we we pitched well against a really really good lineup and and we and we did some really situational hitting that we, that in all honesty that's what killed us yesterday and we'll get to we'll get to sunday in just a second but you know just being able to get a run here and just continue to build on that lead that we needed and uh, was all, all important in, in the outcome of that game.
2: Look, of course, a very good college baseball game. I and mean, Sunday baseball is a game that's hard to understand sometimes, Coach. If I read the press release right, a record 19 strikeouts by the pitching staff, but seven runs given up. And sometimes the game is, is hard to analyze, isn't it?
3: Oh, it sure is. I mean, if you told me you're going to strike them out 19 times, what do you think? you think you'll win or lose? I wouldn't. I would have lost the house on we <laughs> right. would have we would have won, but right. you know the the uh, the nineteen uh, strikeouts. Obviously, there's only eight more to get in the in the twenty seven outs, and uh, but you know what they swung the bat too. They had fourteen hits and they hit when they needed to, and uh, you know we and we didn't, and that that was the difference. What well, the way we played on Saturday didn't show up on Sunday, and just those little things, just situational baseball. I know of two two times, two innings, where we had runners at third less than two outs. And what we saw our, our team hit was a ground ball to score a run on Saturday. Uh, ended in strikeouts and nothing to show for it. So mm-hmm. didn't compete well enough at the plate yesterday. Uh, obviously, you know, we only struck out six times. But, you know, we had six walks and uh, we left ten runners on. And it wasn't the ten runners that, that – we're left on that really bothers me. It's the little things. It's those, those one little, uh, one little ground ball hits here or, or put in play that would have scored a run. That, that bothers me that that we weren't able to capitalize on.
2: Right, Coach, I'm going to give the second segment to the guys, but I've I got one more question for you. And this is one of your team's biggest fans asked me to relay this question to you, Mundy. He's curious about the the shift that we now see in college baseball when you've got a left-handed hitter and you shift your infield. Everybody does, it seems, over to the right side of the field. Your thoughts about that, and, and do teams – Practice trying to bunt down third base or hit the ball down the third baseline to combat that shift.
3: Well, I hate the shift, but that's where that's where the game is, has gone right now, and it's at all levels. I mean, it's at the big league level. It's it's actually ruined a lot of people's careers because they weren't able to hit the other way or weren't willing to try to hit the other way. Mm-hmm. I remember a conversation in two thousand and fifteen. With myself and and Coach Palmer and my son Garen, went to uh, went to uh, Minnesota watch Dozer play and we had the uh, we had the privilege of being on the field for batting practice before the game and had a discussion with Tony Oliva and uh, which was a pretty good hitter by the way and Coach Palmer asked him he asked him about the shift and uh, of course Tony Oliva's response was let me tell you something. They wouldn't have pulled that when I was playing. I would have hit the ball the other way. But these kids are hard-headed today. They won't try to do that. And uh, I think you see people try to bunt at times. You've seen us try to bunt at times down third-base line. We haven't been successful to be able to pull it off, nor was FAU this weekend when they attempted to do it. Certainly we do practice it, uh, but when it comes game, BP is a lot different than game Game time pitching and game time experience. So, right. it, it it it's where the it's where baseball is right now. And uh, you know, I know there's talks of of trying to uh, curtail that, not let it to be such a drastic shift at the big league level. And I'm sure if it happens there, it'll filter down to us.
2: All right, talking head baseball coach Scott Berry. We'll get uh, Kelly and Luke on the second segment. Stay with us, coach. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: See you again.
0: You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top.
2: Hey, we're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry on the Eagle Hour. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Court Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel this afternoon. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Shop them online seven days a week. Shop them right there on Hardy Street Monday through Saturday. They've got great baseball apparel in the house right now. And we hope that when you make your next selection, it'll be from Campus Bookmart, Campus Bookmart, .net. Alright, talking ahead baseball coach Scott Berry. And coach, if you can just kind of a side note when we get through with the segment, if you can kind of hang on the phone for a minute with something we wanted to ask you about uh when we get okay. off. But right now, let's go uh back to uh the questions, Kelly Sander, coach uh, Scott Berry. Coach, good to
1: talk to you. I I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like when you when you're searching for players, if if it was this clear cut where you had to choose one of the two players. Do you want do you want a hitter that has long ball, you know, power and potential, but on the other side of the coin strikes out too much? Or would you rather have a guy that doesn't have so much power, but much more puts the ball in play? And why?
3: Uh, Personally, I mean, I would rather have the guy that much more puts the ball in play because I feel like that you're still in a development stage there uh, that you can probably develop power. I think that the guy that puts the ball in play, that competes, gives you a chance to put people on base, which then uh, allows the, to be pressure on that pitcher. Now he's got to concentrate on two things, not only the hitter, but the guy on base. Where the guy with power strikes out, you know, it's, it's either, either hit it and it's gone or, or, you know, you go back and sit down. So I just – I like a more complete hitter. Uh, one that's more balanced that can uh, that can give you more options in in winning a baseball game.
1: Yeah, you can you can move guys when the ball gets put in play, but it's really tough to move runners when the guy Ks. That's correct. You know, even that's even correct. though he can knock it out of the ballpark. And I wanted I wanted you to take us through the thought process too on relief pitching. You've got a lot of good relievers, and I'll use let's just use for example Harper on Saturday. I don't know if he came in the seventh and then started the eighth or. Pitched the eighth and started the ninth, but he came out for that second inning. On starting pitching, it's easy to you know watch pitch counts if you're worried about that, or obviously if a guy gets into trouble. But how do you guys make the decision as to when to pull the trigger on a relief pitcher and make a change?
3: Well, I think there's a couple of factors there. Uh, well, probably more than that. Number one, where has he been prior to that pitch count? When's the last time he threw? You know, and certainly you don't want to put too much of a workload on him. Another thing is, as as you go in, you're, you're dissecting that lineup. You know the splits on, on your pitching staff, just like you know on your hitters. And when I say the split, what they do against righties, what they do against lefties. You know, there's some people, and in fact, they hit just as good against righties as they do lefties. And there's some pitchers that get righties out just as much as they do lefties. But then a lot of times it always leans one way or the other. They're a little bit more. Uh, prone to uh, to have success against this type of person. So those over time start to uh, clear themselves and and define who they are. But then, you know, I think it's it's another thing is what you have coming behind them and how fresh they are and how you stack up in uh, and, and your choice of how to use them.
1: Luke Johnson, Coach uh, Barry with us on the Eagle Hour on this Monday.
0: Coach, following up a question about hitting two guys in the lineup, saw Gabe Montenegro kind of, uh, especially Saturday, start to break out of that slump, probably the worst of his career. Sargent struggling also. How do you get those two guys uh, to start producing offensively?
3: Well, you know, actually, you know, Sargent had a really, really good game. Uh, you know, uh, on on Saturday, he. I thought he's – saw the ball well he didn't get himself out that's one thing that we talked to him about i pulled him in on monday and talked to him about quit getting yourself out you know you're swinging at bubbles up there at times i mean you're just swinging at anything and that you've got to put the advantage that count your advantage and quit giving them the advantage on the mound and i thought he did a much better job with that as in all honesty even even through the alabama game there uh but, but you know, uh, he, he's, got, he's, he's still in that developmental stage, and I know he's an older guy, but consistently where you're wanting them to get is where he's got to continue to work, and that's to not swing at pitches out of the zone. I felt like he kind of fell back in that little, that little ditch yesterday a little bit. Saturday, I thought he had an outstanding day with it.
0: What about Gabe?
3: Gabe's in that funk. You know, he's kind of the same way. You saw him swinging at pitches over his head, uh, which is not him. Uh, he did get a couple walks yesterday, which is uncharacteristic of him. But that's what he's got to do. You know, you can't just go up there and be a free swinger, And especially when it's not working your way. Swing's got to get a little bit more flat. He's losing the barrel. It's getting below his hands, and he's got to get that barrel up, stay on top of the ball. One thing with Gabe, he's not a very tall guy. So – the ball's going to have a tendency to be up in the zone just because he's not very tall. So if you if you're not good at hitting pitches up in the zone, you got to learn to take uh, to to to, uh, to take them and and not put yourself in a position to fly out and that's exactly what he's he's done. So both of those guys we just talked about, it's it's about pitch pitch recognition and and strike zone recognition.
0: Coach uh, really uh, only one uh, week in the regular season remaining where you'll have two midweek games to take on New Orleans tomorrow. Moving Etheridge more to the bullpen, is that kind of where we expect to see him in, like, long relief like we did this weekend?
3: Yes. Yes, I think so. And, uh, you know, he had really good outing for us yesterday until, you know, we put him back out there. And, uh, you know, hats off to to FAU. I mean, they did a great job, those first two hitters there in the eighth inning that got it going for him. Both were one, two count hits that, uh, that they were able to, uh, to adjust on and, 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 get it going for them. But prior to that, you know, I thought Ben had really, really thrown well. And, uh, you know, he had, uh, four strikeouts. He came in relief of Hurston there in the sixth, got the big punch out, struck out the side in the seventh, and then, of course, went back out there in the eighth. And those two kids both won two count hits on, on him to get him, to get him going.
1: You know, in in Saturday's game, particularly late to it, there were a lot of walks. You know, uh, we were the recipient of most of those walks. But right. it, but again, coach, we we kind of talked either or. Uh, a, as a coach, do you, do you like an umpire that's that's consistently tight for both teams, or would you rather have an umpire that uh, that opens it up a little bit?
3: You know, I like it to be opened up a little bit. I think, uh, particularly with uh, with with Way we are today, and the shifts, that sort of thing. I I, I like it. I don't like a tight zone. I, I just really don't. I think uh, I, I'd rather have it just a little bit. Keeps the game flowing a lot better. Uh, you know, it keeps the walks down and and puts the ball in play. Make forces kids to hit the ball more.
1: Yeah, that's the way. The, that's the way the game is designed to play: is to put the ball in play and make the defense right. make the plays. And there's nothing more frustrating for a pitcher that yesterday it was a strike. You know, you were watching your teammates throw. Well, today you're out there. That same pitch, you know, doesn't get called a strike. And it does force the hitters to swing a little bit. And I do think I think the crowd uh, enjoys that as well, as well as not being so frustrating with pitchers.
3: Well, and then I, there's times where, it, it, you know, the first seven innings of the game might be, uh, might be a loose zone back there in a good consistent zone. And all of a sudden, the last two innings, they tighten it up from out of nowhere. Yeah, that so, can be
2: frustrating, nope. too. Yeah. That's not what you want, though. You want it to be no. consistent throughout, right, Coach?
3: All the way through. Right, good umpiring goes unnoticed. That's what we always say.
2: Exactly. I think Luke's you got one more for there. you, Luke. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: Coach, I got, uh, got fans texting me. They saw some equipment trucks at the Pete this morning. Can you give us any update on the scoreboard?
3: No, those trucks are out there to, uh, to take that scoreboard down, is what those trucks are there for. So we'll actually take the scoreboard part of that Scoreboard that you see out there, which is the middle section of it, and we'll move it to the right towards center field, because we'll have to play. We'll have to have a scoreboard, uh, obviously, to play the game while they erect the new video board in the in the present location that the, the uh, scoreboard is at right now.
0: Okay, and that that timeline we don't we don't really have a timeline. that probably be yeah, really ready don't... for LaTeX.
3: I wouldn't think so. That, that hadn't been shared with me, but. I would not think so, uh, since they are moving that, that other board to the right while they work on the new one.
2: All right, just to clarify, Coach, only three games against Louisiana Tech, right? Not nine.
3: <laughs> only three, that's okay. correct.
2: Hold on. Just want to make sure that we clarify that. All right, uh, you were telling me before we went on the air the rain doesn't look really favorable for tomorrow night's uh, game against no. UNO. no possibility we could play Wednesday?
3: Yeah, there is a possibility. I think a strong possibility. Uh, I can tell you right now, we will not play tomorrow night in New Orleans. Number one, they don't have a tarp. Uh, I talked to the coach earlier this morning. They bought a brand-new tarp this year, and it was destroyed by wind, picked it up, and shredded it about two weeks ago. They have a new one ordered, but they don't have a tarp on the field right now and have no way of tarping the field. Uh, even if it rained today, and 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 we played tomorrow, or it rained in the morning, and got out of there, but that's not going to happen. So, we're looking at the possibility of moving that game to Wednesday and playing it earlier in the game, earlier in the day, possibly a four o'clock start, mm-hmm. uh, because we turn around and leave at eight the next morning on Thursday for Bowling A
2: game. long bus ride. A
3: long bus ride,
2: yeah. All right, Coach. You know how much we appreciate visiting with you every Monday and we look forward to that conversation each and every week. And needless to say, we look forward to watching the Golden Eagles back on the field this week. Coach Scott Berry, everybody. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Coach Scott Berry. We're gonna continue with the Eagle Hour right after this. Stay with us.
1: So they are. Re- Scott was a little fired up yes. about that, Southern it? Miss
0: to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Appreciate Southern Miss baseball head coach Scott Berry for joining us, as he does every Monday on the Eagle Hour. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Happy to have you along. If you missed uh, Coach Barry in those first two segments, you can go back later this afternoon, listen on demand at supertalk.fm. And, of course, Eagle Hour in podcast form on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Third segment of Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street, located just across Highway 49 from the University of Southern Mississippi. Great plate lunch. Always something to do over at 4th Street. All right, guys, just to recap, Coach Barry telling us, Bob, no game uh, tomorrow night with a possibility of be playing earlier on Wednesday. Uh, so, uh, Eagles got uh, maybe uh, another day to get the taste out of their mouth, but no game tomorrow.
2: Yeah, and uh, we sort of could see that this morning. You know, I, I don't think I, – I mean, I, I know you want to win every game, but look, I'm going to tell you something. Every week, Kelly Santer, we play Alabama in three games mm-hmm. against FAU, and you tell me we're going to beat Alabama – and we're going to win the series against Florida Atlantic. I'll take that for infinity. I called for the sweep, and I was almost right. You were pretty close. <laughs> you know, I,
1: I really thought so. Well, FAU, you know, when you look at the – They're good. So, yeah, but some of the opponents they had played were not real strong. They also hadn't played away from home. You know, it was really the first long road trip that they've had. So I think I think all in all, that's about what you'd expect to have.
0: And I need to clarify, since I went on the show last week, I'm glad, Kelly, you clarified which way the brooms were going to go after that DBU series, because two Fridays ago I did not clarify that, and I wish I would have. But, yeah, um, Golden Eagles win the series, go 3-1 and one against uh, FAU and Alabama. All right, guys, some breaking news out of the NFL. More um, quarterback stuff, of course, over the weekend. Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. Matt Ryan is leaving Atlanta. He is going to the Indianapolis Colts. He is being traded from Atlanta to Indianapolis. But this is good news. Uh, well, we should say it's good news for, for Bob Getty, the newest Saints fan on the Eagle Hour. With the Saints being out of the Deshaun Watson deal, they are now, as of five minutes ago, re-signing Jameis Winston to a two-year, $28 million deal. Last year... I mean it's hard to argue. I mean he, he won five games, fourteen touchdowns, only three picks. So the uh the NFL the NFC South losing a quarterback that's been in there for quite a long time. Matt Ryan going to the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Wright gets him a quarterback, Jameis Winston coming back to the Saints.
2: I don't get I don't get this thing with the Browns, Kelly Sander. I mean, I watch the Browns play a good number of games. Baker Mayfield, not the problem with the Cleveland Browns. He's a good quarterback. Uh why would you? Why? What are you going to do with him? I mean, why would you invest so much in that young man and at his age bring Deshaun Watson? And now he wants to be traded. Well, course, sure, I'm not, sure
1: he does. And so, who's going to want to take him if, if you know, he he lost the starting position to a guy who hadn't didn't even play last year? Here, here's the thing that concerns me. So he didn't me. lose
2: it on the field because Watson didn't come in
1: compete with. Him. No, that's right. true. But I'm saying Watson had even played. Right? He didn't even play last year. Here's the thing that that really is just mind-boggling to me in the NFL. With the oldster coming back, that guy in Tampa, the GOAT, whatever. All right. He's about the only quarterback left in the NFC with any credibility. Russell Wilson has gone from the NFC to the AFC. Matt Ryan now has gone from the NFC to the AFC. You've got Deshaun Watson now going to Cleveland. Look at all of the stud quarterbacks that are now in the AFC. Yeah, you know, you,
2: you can't overlook Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's proven himself. Uh, okay. But, all right. But, but, talk but that's about
0: still only the, two. That's still yeah. only two. Talk about the Watson trade, though. I mean, you want to talk about giving up the house. Yeah, that just doesn't make any so, sense. So the Browns get Watson and a 2024 fifth-round pick. The Texans got this year's first round next year's first round 2024's first round and then they got a third round next year and they got a fourth round in 2024 they give up three first round picks
2: when you've already got a good
0: quarterback but they were done they were done with him i mean they weren't going to Why?
1: certainly too high a price for me to pay yeah you know,
0: I'm just glad that the Saints didn't sell their soul. Somebody on Twitter earlier said the biggest uh, loser in the Matt Ryan trade is Cam Jordan because he sacked Matt Ryan so much. But yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're Matt Ryan and the Falcons haven't done it by now, you know, he's, probably, he's got, still got some gas in the tank. And, and I kind of like that move for, for Indianapolis.
1: When you look at what the Bengals now have done in free agency to protect uh, Joe Burrow. When you look at the grades of their offensive linemen last year, I think the highest guy graded out at, at 78% all the way down to the 40-somethings with a couple of uh, 150 and 160%. Now, all across the Bengal offensive line, the lowest, the lowest graded player is at 70. And with the guy they just signed from the Cowboys, uh, Collins, he was an 82 percent. So now you've got now the Bengals have really bolstered that offensive line, which is what Joe Burrow wanted him to do. In well,
2: the you're right. If you look at the NFC, you got uh, Brady and Stafford. That's it, and that's pretty much it,
1: isn't it? And in the AFC, you got Mahomes, you got Burrows, you got Watson, you got the kid from Buffalo who I never remember his name. <laughs> who may be the best? Yeah. What's Luke? What's his name?
0: Um, I don't know. <laughs> Either either that guy missed football or he really doesn't like his family, one or the other because he had about 30 days with football out and family in and he chose to come back to football. So, I don't want to make any judgment calls, but but it was pretty interesting. The guy in Buffalo Oh, you talking about you talking about Josh Allen? I was talking about Brady. I'm sorry. No, 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 Josh football. Allen. Oh, uh, no, Josh, uh, Josh yeah. Allen in Buffalo. Yeah. What I'm saying with what I'm saying with Brady was he was what three and a half weeks out of football and either missed football or said I don't like this. Uh, yeah, in the house too. Yeah. I
1: was gonna say he figured out when he's actually home with the wife and kids or driving. Well, I don't. I don't so.
2: He don't name Edith, defending him, and I'm not <laughs> trying to. But really, the media almost promoted his retirement before he was willing to do that. Right, I mean, you know, they that's right. they they really did. Now you talk about the AFC West. Man oh man, that's like quarterback central. You got now all of them you got Russell
1: Every Wilson. Every single team has a good quarterback. In Denver you got Russell Wilson, you got Carr in uh, Las Vegas, you got Mahomes in Kansas City, and you got Justin Herbert, who's another one we didn't mention, in San Diego. He's an up-and-coming superstar. Excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers. Right. But I mean, how if you win the AFC next pretty year, damn good. You, you've <laughs> almost won the whole deal. And, and look, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Brady didn't see some of this coming, honestly, and say, well, maybe
2: I will come back because yeah, the maybe NFC, we can glide back to the Super Bowl. Correct. No, I agree. No, I agree. Well, hey, Kelly, the a Saints fan. I'm happy to. Uh, I'm happy to. I'm okay James with Jameis Winston.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with Jameis. Kelly, we should mention, man, Davis Riley almost got his first PGA Tour win yesterday. Lost in the second playoff. A uh, hole yesterday. Triple bogeyed earlier in the round and then uh, had an opportunity to win it, fall back and and missed the putt just to the right. But a uh, man finishes second at wins his a bunch guy. of money at the Valspar Championship that, yesterday.
1: That was so cool because uh, I was out cruising uh, on the boat Saturday out in the Gulf. And uh, <laughs> ball- Chet and kind oh, oh, is nobody. like.
2: Bob T- it's always it's said. actually a John boat, everybody, with a nine horsepower
1: Mercury. But go ahead. <laughs> no, it was really not. Anyway. <laughs> When I, then when I got back in, when we got a signal, that's how far out we oh, were. Oh, uh, And I saw that he shot a nine under par on yeah. Saturday. Obviously going to be in the last group. And then get to watch Davis play an entire round on national TV. There's you know, a kid that went to Presbyterian Christian High yeah. School right yeah. here. BCS. Venture church and raised out here at Canebrake, And almost
2: won a PGA Tour of it, and only his 25th start. Man, so were you fishing him. out of the Gulf, or were you just drinking and making a fool of yourself?
1: Uh, no, I was the I was a guest mm-hmm. um, of some some friends, and so were you drinking or
2: fishing? I asked you a simple question. I wasn't fishing. Okay, think,
1: <laughs>
0: I'll tell you why. I'll I'll you tell you why that. he's acting like he's cool with Davis Riley today because he's going to fish because Davis won eight hundred and fifty thousand two hundred dollars yesterday. That's
1: a pretty good day. And again, only his twenty fifth start, and you know he, he got beat by Sam Burns, who was his his teammate at the University of Alabama. Um, but I was glad, you know, the, the, the starter, you know, says now on the first tee from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, you know, Davis Riley in the golf class. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool and good for him, man. No. great And, for and him. we always thought kids no. growing up, we always thought that Davis was going to be great for him, you know, to be in the rough and to hit those sand shots, all those things they can do. It's just amazing, yeah. So good for him. He you know, didn't go to Southern Miss, but he's a Hattiesburg guy and Mississippi
0: and, guy. Yes, sir. He's a Mississippi. guy, him. so yeah. we're for him, no question about that. Firstly. Just a little more update on the Matt Ryan trade. Looks like the uh, Colts gave a third round pick for this year. So that's you know that's a decent deal. For he's the Colts. still
2: a pretty good quarterback, I think, and that and that's a pretty good football team. That's a, that's a pretty nice piece, I think, for Indianapolis.
1: But but he's getting you know he's getting a little bit you know older. Too, yeah. but I mean, there's another one going to the AFC.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's
1: just it's uh, and and you know you talk about the the quarterbacks in in that in that AFC North. You got Jackson with Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You got um, uh, Joe Burrow with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Now you got Watson in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Pittsburgh can find a quarterback, of course, if the Steelers finish last, it can't be soon enough for me. So Kelly, but, who
2: will uh, who will the Bucks play in the Super
0: Bowl? <laughs> that's that's what we're talking about. Bob. That's the question. Don't don't doubt Jameis. Don't don't doubt the man. He he's your quarterback now. Oh. And,
1: and if there's anybody that has that man's number, it's the Saints. The Saints do pretty well against that guy you were talking about. The goat. Whatever. <laughs> oh,
0: To the top. Final segment today, as always, brought to you by D Bat and D1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Great place to go, great place to train. Great facilities, great instructions, instructors, and pro shop. All at D Bat and D1 Training in Hattiesburg. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander from the Southern Bank Horse Studios. In Hattiesburg, softball uh, loses a heartbreaker yesterday in nine innings to Middle Tennessee. Lady Eagles did win Saturday but dropped the Friday game, so they lose two out of three. Uh, fall to 18 and 11. Had a rough start so far in conference play. Only one in five in conference USA. They will seek uh, to rebound Wednesday against McNeese and then conference this weekend hosting UAB. Beach volleyball drops um, some matches out in California. They were in LA and Malibu uh, over the weekend and they will get ready um, to start back uh, in, in a couple weeks out in uh, actually, in Hattiesburg against uh, Spring Hill and Nickel State. Women's golf uh, finishes uh, 14th in the tournament, but Elena Mellich finished 18th overall in uh, the Mountain View Collegiate at the Preserve Golf Club. Lady Eagles get set uh, for their next tournament uh, at in Chattanooga, at the Chattanooga Classic. Elena Melich shot a career-low 69 in the – Second round, and then men's golf at the East Carolina University Intercollegiate up in Greenville. Southern Miss right now on top, tied uh, for first place. Um, Ryan Dupuy is tied for second overall. Bryce Wilkinson fifth overall. And the Southern Miss currently right now shooting two under. Golden Eagle Baseball as of this moment in Warren Nolan, 39th in the RPI. Guys, you'll never guess who's number one. It's not Ole Miss. Dallas Baptist. Dallas Baptist. There you go. Speaking of Ole Miss, how can you go two and two? How, how can you get beat
2: just absolutely, just skull drugged by Auburn Friday night, and you get beat five to one by southeast Louisiana, and you stay the number one team in the country? Can, someone ex- well, can one of you two guys explain that to me?
0: Well, because in their two wins against Auburn, they scored 28 runs. But there were two wins and two losses. It's baseball.
1: I was not with that woman. I'm doing my Bill Clinton impression. That, anyway,
2: so frustrating. <laughs> Politics
1: involved. So frustrating. Hey, something that you might find interesting, you guys, and, and I know, Luke, you're, you're a numbers guy. Uh, numbers released by overall budgets of schools that uh, have basketball programs. How does Southern Miss compare, even though the Eagles are leaving Conference USA? Well, the overall budget allotted Southern Miss basketball, $1.89 million. All right, the men's overall budget is 1.89 at Southern Miss. By far, the lowest of any other school in Conference USA. FIU and FAU are both allotting two, a little bit over $2 million on their programs. All the way up to a high, Middle Tennessee and UNC Charlotte and UAB. Middle Tennessee, 3.15 million. UC Charlotte, Three million, three point six nine million, $3.69 and leading the league, $3.71 million at UAB. That's twice the budget of Southern Miss. And I know it's not all about money, all right? But you go to the Sun Belt now, the Sun Belt where Southern Miss is going, a lot more equitable. Texas State, $1.89 million right there with Southern Miss. Georgia Southern only allots $1.62. ULM, $1.63. Right in there with Southern Miss at $1.89. Although the College, uh, Coastal Carolina rather, zero Four, eight million dollars to basketball. All right, so but to put these numbers even more perspective, now remember Southern Miss 1.89 million. Samford. Samford, the private little school in Birmingham. Bulldogs. That's correct. 1.91 million. Wafford. Is that the Terriers? Waffles. <laughs> no, it's it's not the Wafford Waffles. 1.96 million East Tennessee State 2.18 million dollars North Carolina uh Greensboro 3 po- or 2.35 Give us uh North Carolina <laughs> So give exactly. us the Tar Heels budget In summary, <laughs> exactly. you're
2: saying we po uh,
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And again, I know it doesn't it doesn't all come down to money, but when you'd like to put your assistant coaches on flights you know, to go all over the country to recruit players and, and things like that, money does matter, you know, in, in some things. Right. So it just, I just thought it was, was interesting. But when those coaches, we were talking, to, we, I talked with some of them down at, at Pearl River, who was hosting the, the state junior college tournament. They were saying they thought that Southern Miss might be a better fit in the Sun Belt. And I think maybe that's what they were talking about, is financially there is a lot more equity Uh, Overall, even though we said um, Uh, Coastal Carolina spends a lot, but other than that, everybody's pretty close. uh,
2: Unofficially, officially, there will be no game at UNO tomorrow night. Uh, And uh, if they do play, we expect now, according to Coach Berry, it would be perhaps at four o'clock Wednesday afternoon, not uh, Wednesday night, but definitely. He doesn't believe any game uh, tomorrow night at UNO. Western Kentucky this weekend. We hope to have the Western Kentucky baseball coach on the show a little later working on another good week of guests for you and we hope you'll tune in each and every day until then southern miss to the
1: to top the time keeps on slipping 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 into the
2: future
1: sudden into the future